Well, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 31. I'm going to start in verse 42, or 41. Uh, Genesis 31, start in verse 41. Uh, and I kind of want to give you the backstory as you kind of figure out where we are and where we're going to be. And, uh, and, and it's really kind of the story of, of Jacob as, as he leaves home, right? And you may remember that, that Jacob kind of uh, tricked his father and he stole his brother Esau's blessing. You guys remember that? He put on uh, furry skins and, and, uh, and his dad was blind and you know, he kind of thought it was, uh, he stole his blessing. Well, guess what? Esau wasn't too happy about it, uh, was out to get him. And, uh, and so Jacob runs away and uh, he's going to run away. And his dad says, hey, um, if you're going to run, you need to go. Uh, you need to go to a relative's house. You need to find Laban and marry one of his daughters. Do not marry one of those Canaanite women. And so, um, sure enough, he, he runs to Padanaram, and, uh, and he runs. He meets this beautiful girl named Rachel and falls in love. And then he meets, figures out, hey, that's Laban's daughter. And so he's like, Laban, I, man, I, I want to marry your daughter. Uh, but he's like, well, you don't have any money. You can't pay the bride's price. And he says, well, I'll work for you for free. So he works for seven years to marry Rachel, right? And then Laban uh, also is a trickster, and he switches it up there in the cover of night, uh, and so they, they get married, and then he sends his older daughter, Leah, into the room. I guess it was dark, y'all. I don't know. And, uh, and so uh, Jacob wakes up in the morning and realizes he has slept with the wrong woman. And uh, he goes to Laban, he's like, you have tricked me. And he's like, hey, man, not my fault. In, in our culture, like we, always the oldest daughter gets married first. And so he goes, but I wanted Rachel. Well, you're going to have to work another seven years uh, for Rachel. And so he works another seven years. Then he works six years to build up enough uh, livestock to support uh, this family that, that God is going to provide him with. Uh, and, and the whole time, Laban is, is just always um, tricking and, and, and messing with him. And that's kind of where our story picks up, okay? Uh, so God appears to Jacob and says, dude, this is never going to stop. You've got to get out of here. So Jacob packs up his entire family, leaves in the middle of the night. Laban finds out, and he pursues him because he wants to take back all of the flocks that Jacob uh, rightfully has, has been given. And, uh, and, and, and here's, what, uh, here's what happens. God appears to Laban in the middle of the night, says, don't you touch Jacob, right? Don't do it. And so when Laban does finally overtake him, he knows he can't mess with him because God's on Jacob's side. But this is what Jacob says in his defense, starting in verse 41. He says, for 20 years in your household, I served you. 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction and my hard work, and he issued his verdict last night. Basically, last night when he met with you, right? But God has seen my affliction. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Three things I want to share, and uh, here is the first. Guys, I want you to know that God sees us and knows us. God sees us and 
knows us. And, and, and this isn't something that we just find in this text, uh, that, that God sees us and knows us. It's actually something we see all throughout Scripture, right? Um, how, how many of you remember the story of Hagar? Anybody remember that story, the story of Hagar? That's uh, found in, in Genesis chapter 16. And uh, remember, God had promised Abraham a child. He actually promised to make Abraham the father of many nations, but Abraham was very old, and Sarah was very old, and Sarah was barren. And so, uh, so they, they, they're like, okay, God, where's this promise? So they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and years and years and years pass, and finally Sarah's like, you know what, I've got an idea. Uh, I, I've got a slave girl named Hagar. I'm going to give her to my husband. So she, she brings this Egyptian slave to her husband, says, here's my slave girl. You sleep with her, and perhaps through her, I can have a child. Now that is not, like, listen, uh, Hagar has, has no rights here. So she's not a willful participant in this crazy love triangle, uh, but she gets pregnant. And, and when she gets pregnant, she immediately uh, begins to have these feelings. She starts to look down on her, her mistress or her master, Sarah. Uh, and, 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 and the scripture actually says Sarah becomes little in her eyes. Now, now, that affects Sarah greatly. She goes to Abraham and says, hey, this slave girl of yours, and he's like, whoa, not mine, yours. Uh, and, 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 he goes, and he goes, no, you do whatever you want to with her. So Sarah begins to mistreat her badly. Uh, Hagar is so affected by the mistreatment of Sarah that she runs off into the middle of the wilderness, and there she's all alone. And there in the middle of the wilderness, all alone, God finds her. God sees her. God calls her by name right? And, uh, and he says, hey, I've got a plan for this. I've got a plan for this, right? And, and, and this, is, this is Hagar's response, Genesis sixteen thirteen. It says, so she named, not the place. Usually people name the place. Listen to what Hagar does. This is crazy, right? So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roi. For she said, in this place have I actually seen the one who sees me, all right? So, why does that matter and what does any of that have to do with you or with me? Well, here is the deal. Hagar was one of those people in our world that was always overlooked. In fact, the majority of people in her life probably considered her a nobody. Uh, we know that Abraham and Sarah uh, didn't traditionally call her by name. When, when they speak of her, they call her slave or slave girl. Yet, I, I, I want you to see how God responds to Hagar, right? And so, so this is uh, Genesis 16, 8. When, when God sees her, get this, it says, He said, Hagar, right? Slave of Sarai, where have you come from? Where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. Hagar. Do you see that? Don't overlook that. God calls her by name, Right? This Egyptian slave girl that's been overlooked, that nobody sees the hardship she's endured or what her masters have done to her, yet God sees her. And not only does God see her, but God calls her by name. He knows her. Right? He knows her. And here's the deal. He knows you and me too. Right? I know sometimes we all feel unseen unimportant, overlooked, right? Maybe that goes back to your childhood. Maybe you're that kid that you're the last kid picked, right? You remember how we used to pick teams? That was, that was standard in school. Anybody remember those days, right? So you're going to play kickball. Everybody stood up on the line. They all picked always popular kids first. And may, maybe you're that kid. You're the last kid picked, right? Maybe it, it stems from that. Maybe it's your family. 
And in your family, you just feel like everybody else gets all the attention. Nobody ever cares about you. Maybe, maybe I mean, you, you name it. But in the world, in our world, you feel unseen, unimportant. But God, but God sees you. And not only does God see you, I want you to know this morning that he knows you. He knows your name. I love what it says in, in John 10 when um, it's going to introduce Jesus as the good shepherd. It says the gatekeeper opens uh, it for him and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by what? By name. He calls his own sheep by name. And listen, not only does God know your name, but he knows all of your inner struggles. Every one of them. He knows the thoughts that you have about yourself. He knows uh, the, the battles that you face and the struggles that, that, that you go through. He knows all of them. And that's because those inner, uh, that, that inner place that you, you battle and, and you, you wage those things, God actually created that inner place. This is what it says in Psalm 139. It says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Those, those places in your mind and in your heart and in your soul where you do battle with thoughts where you feel like you're nobody, that nobody cares, that nobody sees. God actually constructed those things inside of you and He is still aware to this day of what war is waged inside of you. God knows you. He cares about you. Right? I love what Jesus says in Luke's 12, 6, and 7. He says, Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. He says, Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And what he's saying is, listen, God sees every sparrow on the face of the planet that's here today, gone tomorrow. And God actually not only sees you, he knows how many hairs are on Listen, you have God's attention to the point that he knows how many hairs you have on your head. That's crazy. And why? Why does God know all that about us? Why does God care about our inner thoughts and our emotion and our being? Why? Ready? Because he cares. Because you're worth something to God. It says you are worth more than they. You matter to God. You matter to God. So that's the first thing I want you to know, right? Is that God sees us and uh, knows us. God sees us and knows us. The second thing I want you to know, though, is not only does he see you and know you, but he cares about how we've been mistreated. God cares about how you have been mistreated. I'm not going to ask uh, you to raise your hands, okay? Who here has been mistreated? Because it's been all of us at one time, right? I'm not going to do that. But I want you to notice the language in both of our stories this morning. Let's start with Jacob, as Jacob replies to Laban, uh, this is what he says again, Genesis 31, 42, I've highlighted it. He says, but God has seen my, what? Affliction, right? God has seen my affliction, is what he says. And then, and then we have the story of Hagar, and I want you to notice what the angel of the Lord says to Hagar, right? He says, uh, the Lord has heard your cry of affliction, right? The, the, the God has heard, he has seen your affliction, and this is such an important truth. Right? Because in both of these stories, God says, I see your affliction, and, and, and then God is acting because of that affliction. And y'all, that is a lesson we need to learn, because we have all been hurt by other people at some point, and we have a tendency, and we, tendency when we are hurt to respond in one of two ways, and neither of them are particularly healthy. Right? 
So one way that we respond when we are, are hurt, I like to call scorched earth, um, is we decide to take vengeance, right? That we, we seek vengeance, and we're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm going to blast out my hurt to everyone that will listen, which is a whole lot of people now with social media, and I'm only going to tell my side of the story, right? I'm only going to tell it through my lens, through, like, I'm not going to include any details of any wrongdoing I may have had that led to the, but, but I'm going to blast it out. And if somebody hurts me, man, I'm going to let everybody in the world know how horrible that person is and what they've done to me. That, that's the easiest way to get it uh, in, in our world today. And so it's, it's just seeking vengeance. Not healthy um, can, can really lead to some cycles of sin in your life. I'm just letting you know. Uh, the other way, though, that we tend to deal with hurt is isolation. Right? And so, uh, listen, and by the way, the devil's great at both of these, but I think this is his favorite tool. And, and so here's, here's, here's how it works. Um, we don't uh, deal with the conflict or hurt that we face well, and so we literally run away from it. We don't deal with it in a healthy fashion where we confront it, but instead, uh, we actually run, we literally run away from it. And when we run away from it, we run away from people that care about us, we run away from people that could help us, and, and, and we end up in isolation where all we have is our own thoughts and our own feelings, which are cyclical in nature, and create strongholds in our life. And so guess what? We feel unseen, unheard, uncared about, uh, and we're actually, we've isolated ourselves. So how can anybody see us? How can they see us? Because we're hiding. We ran, right? How can they care for us? We're, we're not near them. Right? So, so it, it creates a cycle where we feel all alone. I, I can see the look on your face. You've been there before. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. I, I know you've been there before. I've, I've been there before because we don't deal with hurt in a healthy way. And that's why this is so important, this truth. Listen, God cares about the way that other people have harmed you. He does. And, and not only does he care about it, he'll use it if you allow him. He'll use it if you allow him, okay? He will repay. God says, vengeance is mine. So third thing I want to share with you, last thing, and then we've got some ways you can apply the sermon, okay? I want you to know that God sees how we've mistreated others, and yet he still comes to meet with us. God sees how we have mistreated others, and he still comes to meet with us. And so I, I just think it's important, like I could have left this out, but I think it's really important to have kind of a gospel-centered uh, view on life and and so here's the truth in in this in this whole deal so uh, uh, uh hagar is an unwilling participant in the love triangle okay there, there, like there's no sin there on her behalf she had no choice but to be brought into this right so so that's not what i'm talking about where, where she's mistreated others uh, where the mistreatment comes is later after she sleeps with abraham and she gets pregnant then she begins to belittle sarah right then she begins to belittle Sarah. It's in Genesis 16.4. He slept with Hagar. She became pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became uh, contemptible to her. Uh, it literally means became little in her eyes. It became, she became little in her eyes. She became, now think about this. If you want to hurt somebody that's longed for a child all of their life, and, and you have no control over a situation, you're a slave, she, you're, you're forced to sleep, with her husband, who's an old dude, y'all, okay? Not like, like something you were like, sign me up for that, you know? I mean, old man, okay? Creepy, right? Really, seriously, okay? So, but then you become pregnant 
right? You've heard all these promises of God that, that uh, uh, many nations are going to come from you. And then guess what? Now what do you get to hold over this woman that's forced that to you? This is what I'm talking about. This is scorched earth, right? Th- this is vengeance is mine. So Hagar decides, you know what? You've put me through this. Now watch this. And she begins, I, I believe wholeheartedly, to flaunt it in the eyes of Sarah. Well, look at me. Maybe that promise is coming through me. Like, look at you, barren, still can't have a child, can you? Oh, by the way, I think your husband enjoyed that, right? I mean, you could just imagine the, the kind of things that maybe say, like, listen, the text doesn't tell us exactly. We just know that she began to look at Sarah as very little, without regard, without respect. And Sarah felt it. Sarah felt it so much in the next verse, she goes, Abraham, uh, and, and says, listen, you're responsible for my suffering. You! blaming him, and he's like, hey, your idea. Uh, He says, I put my slave in your arms, and when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible, little to her. May the Lord's judge between me and you. Abraham then says, "Uh, no, you do whatever you want to, right? So, uh, lots of fault to go around. Abraham and Sarah, absolutely, right? But then we have eventually Hagar's mistreatment of Sarah, okay? All right, we have Hagar's mistreatment of Sarah. And, and here's what I love. This is how awesome God is. The truth is we've all been hurt. The truth is also that we've all hurt others. That's who we are. That's why when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he asks us, he, he asks us literally, like one of our prayers, Lord, forgive me of the sins that I've committed and forgive me of, you know, uh, those that have trespassed against me and those that I have trespassed against. It's kind of part of the prayer, right? It's part of the prayer. And here's the beauty of God, that he comes to people like that. People like us. Yeah, we've been hurt. We've also hurt others. And he still sees us and comes to us. And he says, listen, I see you. I know you. I know all of your inner hurts. I also know the way you've hurt others. And get this, if you'll let me, I will still use you. In spite of your hurt, in spite of the way that you've hurt others, I will use you as an instrument for change in this world if you trust me. Man, that's good. That's good. I, I, I don't know about you, but that, that, that is so good to my soul. That God knows me. He knows the ways I've been hurt, but he also knows the way that I hurt others. He knows my sin. And in spite of it all, he still says, I love you, I see you, I know you, I'll use you if you'll let me. All right? So what do we do with that? What do we do with kind of that truth of this God that really sees us and knows us? I think there's a few things. Number one, we need to meet with him, right? We just need to meet with him. Listen, uh, Hagar could have run. She absolutely could have. She could have, she could have just taken off and be like, nope, don't want to hear it. I'm out. Uh, it has that conversation. And, and here, listen, here, here's the beauty of, of, of the truth of this. Listen, God will listen to your prayer if you're sincere. Uh, anybody. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. I, listen, first prayer God will listen to out of your mouth is, God, help, I need you. Right? I need you. Like, he will listen to that prayer. He always does. And so we just need to make sure we're meeting with Jesus. Uh, second thing, when we meet with him, we actually have to listen to him. Uh, so, so Jesus had some, uh, the, well, we believe this is Jesus anyway. Uh, Jesus had some in- instruction for Hagar. Uh, and, and so um, what, what is the instruction? Right? He says, hey, I, I, I'm going to stop this, but I've got a plan. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. So she listens, and she actually goes back, and uh, through her son Ishmael, there's going to be a whole other nation 
Um, and so we need to make sure not only are we meeting with Jesus, but we're listening to him. Say, how do I do that today? Uh, well, the Holy Spirit will speak to you through prayer. He'll confirm it through scripture, uh, through other people in your life. And so you need to listen, right? You need to listen. Uh, do what it says. People always uh, ask on a regular basis. I hear Christians ask, can we have another Bible study? Can we do this? Can we do that? And like, listen, yeah, if you want to start a Bible study, absolutely. If you're asking us to start another Bible study for you, I'm going to tell you that the greatest problem in the church is not a lack of knowledge. It is a lack of application. It's a lack of people doing what the scripture says and just living it out, right? And so we, we can't just meet with Jesus. We have to listen to him. And, and finally, uh, that, and, that, and that's where this comes in, is we, we have to trust and obey. How's the song go? There is no other way, right? We need to trust and obey. And so ultimately, uh, this is what Hagar does. She, she not only listens, but she trusts. And she says, okay, if you can use this, if you can use me, then I'm going to put my trust in you, and I'm going to obey what you say. And she actually turns around and she goes back. You know what that's a sign of, y'all? Repentance. That's what that's a sign of. Like, hey, God, you can use me. You can use me in all of my hurts and all of my struggles. You can use all that I've done to others. All right? Hey, watch this. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn around and go back the way that I've come. And uh, I just hope this morning, I pray this morning, if you're one of those people that maybe, maybe you're currently there or it's something you struggle with on a regular basis, you feel like God uh, never sees you or that no one ever sees you, I want you to know that God sees and cares about you. Okay? So uh, I'm going to pray for us real quick. And then we've got uh, not just announcements. We've got a, a, a special uh, building update uh, this morning. It's at the end of the month. And so we've got a, our Give Big Sunday uh, update and some exciting stuff to, to share with you. And then we've got a few announcements and we'll let you go. Father, thanks for loving us. We love you. And be glorified in the way that we try to live this out this week. Remind us on a regular basis that even though sometimes we see, uh, we, we, we feel overlooked, uh, that you're a God that never o overlooks us. You're the God who sees us and cares about us. You know us. And I pray that you would uh, meet all of the needs of the people that are here and the people that are listening online, that they would sense your presence in their life. They would feel your love. We ask that in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, so uh, real quick, I'm going to fly through this update. We have seven slides. Uh, so um, construction updates at the end of the month, and, and this, is, uh, this is what we've got going on. Y'all, it rained a lot. We had some stuff going on, so, but we do have some completion. So here's the first one. I want you to know that all the water lines are complete. That is done. You can check it off the list. All the water lines have been run. That is done. Uh, so when I say water, it's getting to the building. We, we still got plumbing coming. Okay, uh, second, I want you to know that all the soil injection is done, and we have passed, okay? Um, remember the soil out there, it expands and contracts, expands and contracts. So we had to put tons of chemicals into the earth to make it stop doing that. And so there's a, a threshold that it has to be within. We've now passed that threshold on all of the test sites. So hallelujah. Uh, and no, the rain did not affect it. I know we got like dumped on. They cut out channels to get it off. We've been assured um, like it's already done. The rain cannot affect it. So that means that top fill is coming soon. They're going to put in the fill. They're in the fill. They'll start doing the rough end plumbing, rough end electrical, and then concrete's probably within a month, um, which would be cool, and you'll start to see it transform. So, uh, so that has all happened. Uh, we have our, our little construction sign. Now listen, y'all, if you knew how much we fought to get a temporary construction sign, which in Elgin they say can only be 20 square feet, y'all, um, 
it was a fight. It's been a battle. I don't understand it. There's other uh, places that, anyway, it's a whole other deal. But this is what we get, and uh, we have it, and we're so happy of it that we take pictures by it. So uh, if you want to do that, please just don't get hit by a car, okay? That's all I ask. I don't, like, just don't get hit by a car. Uh, go on a day, like today, when there's no traffic, stand on the other side of the street, whatever. Just don't stand in the street to take a picture, okay? I love you. I, I'd love for you to take a picture. If you want to take a picture of yourself, post it on, tag us, that'd be great. But don't stand in the street. God bless you. Um, okay, uh, what else do we have? Oh, uh, we have updated seating capacity numbers. So um, we have selected the chairs that we we're going to use. Um, and, uh, and so uh, that came with a big shock to us because we initially planned on buying about 600 chairs. And, um, and so they said, hey, and by the way, this is the lowest number. The lowest number that it could seat when we're trying to fill it up is about 718. If we want to max it out for special occasions, uh, you could actually fit 775 chairs in that sanctuary. That is nuts, y'all. Which means we need to start praying about who the other people that are supposed to sit in the chairs are going to be. Now, that doesn't mean that the building will always be set up for 700. We probably won't do that from day one, uh, but it does gives us the flexibility. Um, so we are buying 700 chairs. So uh, pray for that. That'll be, that'll be awesome. So super excited about that. Um, also, giving, wanted to let you know uh, where the current giving sits. So um, uh, that is a round number. It's a round number because we, we couldn't get the final number from the bookkeeper. I think it's closer to 182 with some change, but we put up 180. That's 23% of our goal of 800,000. We are already at 180,000. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo! Um, and that's awesome. And we, that's just since November, y'all. That's just since November. So, um, man, the God, God is being super faithful. Y'all are killing it. Uh, just want to encourage you. Uh, so this morning, we're going to take up an extra offering. There are envelopes in the pews in front of you that say um, crossing over. They have a little crossing over logo on them. Uh, and we're just going to ask that everybody would try to give something. It can be 25 bucks, y'all. It can. Uh, it, all, it all counts. It all adds up. Another way to do it is to scan this giant QR code, which is, is huge now uh, because Michael told me it wasn't big enough last time. So uh, I made it as big as possible on the screen. So uh, that'll take you directly to the website. Um, and so uh, th that's just to give to this project, not to give anywhere else. So I'm going to pray for this offering, okay? I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you just a few seconds to do that. Miss Catherine then will come up and do announcements. So uh, please, if you don't mind, whether you're filling out checks or giving uh, online, we, we would love for you to do that today. Uh, if any kiddos, I know some of, we have some kiddos here this morning. Uh, if your kiddos are doing banks, we have um, these wonderful, I'm going to step off of screen. Uh, we have these wonderful pails uh, for kids to, to dump uh, bank money in, and then we'll count it all because, you know, we're crazy. So, uh, all right, let me pray for this offering, and uh, let's see what the Lord does. Father, thank you for an opportunity to give to such a cause. Lord, we want to be uh, that church that meets the spiritual needs of this ever-growing community. Um, God, take these gifts and multiply them. There's no other way for this to work. Um, so, God, we just rely on you, rely on your faithfulness. Um, do what only you can, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to give you about 30, uh, 40 seconds to do that. Then Miss Catherine will close us with announcements.